With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's going on, guys? March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. The one where you might catch a glimpse of somebody that will turn things around for the Cavs. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be a hardcore fan to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to catch in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now, to the podcast. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network, brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today, back in action, is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Good. How's uh, Lima doing? <laughs> um i'm gonna keep that uh i'm gonna keep that private that's between us um we, we uh, don't really want to go public with all of that stuff but uh yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that close to the vest well god don't you with your uh you know certain friendships i'll tell you what <laughs> <laughs> it is good to be back talking to uh, you carter yeah i, I just want to note that the first time i came on my i had just moved to this new house and my internet didn't work so i couldn't really talk Mm-hmm. And then the next time, I wasn't there. Did Did you mention that you haven't got the follow yet? That's uh, hurtful. It does hurt, man. Ah, dang. Because he's engaged, you know. Yeah. No. No. It, he knows. I, that 
I, I really enjoyed that because it, it really came through. And I, I, it was funny because we, we would get some mentions for the Chase Down Pod account that's like, uh, I'll listen to the next one. I, I don't like what Lima has to say. And I'm like, well, you know what? Give it a shot. And I thought we, we were both very reasonable. And it was a good pod. Yeah, it, it's one of those examples where, hey, if you got more than 140 characters, you can, uh, you can kind of expand and be a little more nuanced. Um, but it has been a bit of a delay since our last podcast it's been a delay since the last time i talked to you i'm going to put the blame on myself i had family obligations run a little late yesterday so that kind of pushed things back uh but it's good to be talking to you the last time we potted together carter you ended things saying that you didn't think that we the Cavs were going to get a win until mid-march and i said they would because i'm always right look who's laughing now and in addition to that, J.R. Smith might be back in the NBA. So it that could potentially is a long awaited win for you. Dude, that that this could be this could be a big week for your boy if both of that stuff comes through. One of the slowest burn argument wins in the history of arguments, if if uh, if he ends up playing a bit for them. One of the few things that I would say I'm reliable with is not forgetting when it's an opportunity to be petty. I, I, I really think that that's where I shine. No, you're, you're not famous for uh, outrageous numbers of Twitter receipts. <laughs> that was so much fun last year. That that was around that this time of year as well. Yeah, I, I forget who it was. I think it was Damon uh, that said something along the lines of like, like people were dapping you up for your Steph blew a 3-1 return tweet. Yeah. yeah. And... And I think it was Devin that said, like, uh, you know, like Lakers fan d- dapping up for last year's number one enemy, Justin Rowan. <laughs> you know what? Like, and I wish I could was... be a number one enemy someday. Uh, you're you're an enemy of that. Lima. You're an enemy of Lima. That's what this really comes down to. You know, you and... know what it is for him? It's I don't even think I don't think about you at all. Yeah. Know, know who you are the number one enemy of. And I fall on that list as well. Our boy here. Our boy Hiram. <laughs> I love Hiram so much. I, I do want to kind of check in because it, it has been a while since um, we, we've talked here. And things have been kind of good for the Cavs. Um, I feel like this stretch has been largely enjoyable. We've gone from kind of saying, well, it's tough to expect uh, the, the Cavs to get a win over the stretch. Look at the schedule. A nice throwback to our early season podcast. And... I found myself somewhat a little disappointed that they didn't pull off the win against Indiana. I was very happy with the effort, but I was caring again, Carter. I had feelings. Um, and and the, the same thing kind of happened against the Jazz. I mean, they, they put up a, a really good fight in that game shorthanded. Um, basically, Antes is it just the only center against the screen assist master and Rudy Gobert. I'm, I'm really encouraged with what I'm seeing out of the Cavs lately. Yeah, I mean, I think of anything, uh, maybe we can start with Bickerstaff talk because, uh, you know, I think the biggest way to kind of define what the last couple week, week or so of the Cavs uh, play is that they have really tried. Yes. Kevin Love is uh, hustling around on both ends of the floor on occasion. I wouldn't say all the time, but, you know, baby steps. Um, 
Every, Remember when just... he ran full court uh, oh, to get man. back in transition and, and got a, a hand on a layup attempt? That that was one of the most wild sequences, and that was after he had already kind of hurt himself a little bit in that game. I, I, I don't know when the last time I saw that kind of effort out of Kevin was. Well, probably locking up Steph. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is just kind of what happens when a team kind of gets is playing for a guy they want to play for. You know, it's not like the highs are – the highs will rarely be that much higher. You know, the cat, the insane comeback against Miami notwithstanding. But I just think your floor gets raised a lot higher when guys aren't actively miserable to be playing for a guy. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, yes, they, uh, you know, they, they struggle to hang with New Orleans. Yes, they struggle to hang with Utah. And, you know, Miami did beat the pants off of them at one point. And that, those mm-hmm. games are going to happen. But, you know, there were games where they were they were down 40 in the first half. Yeah. Early, yeah. early in the year. Um, and maybe it's fair to say that those days are done, at least in the short term. Um, you know, it seems like you're not going to have as many embarrassing ass kickings as we were having early in the season. And if there's one thing you can say for Bickerstaff early, it's that, right? Yeah, there, there's definitely been a different level of buy-in. And, and I think it's fair to attribute some to buy-in. Um, but I, I do think that there are some tactical changes as well. I, I do feel um, like we are seeing the guards get to use more kind of traditional pick and rolls versus the the high handoffs that we would see under uh, Bayline. And I, I think that was one of the most fair criticisms of him was that there's seems to be a tendency with college coaches when it comes to running offense that they don't like to use lots of pick and roll and they don't like to use isolation. And I don't know if this is a fair characterization or not, but the impression I get when I I see that kind of hesitancy is that it's, well, I don't look like a tactical genius if I'm just running pick and roll and the guards are making the easy reads out of that or the same thing in isolation situations. Um, but that's kind of the bread and butter and meat, meat and potatoes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that is a staple of all successful NBA offenses at this point. Um, and it's situations where these guards should have been good in, and they weren't really getting an opportunity to develop that skill set. And I think you're, you're seeing Sexton making better reads out of those situations, particularly uh, when it comes to those drop-off passes. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is getting to do a little bit of rim running, even though he's kind of playing as a combo forward under Bickerstaff. Um, Drummond, he finally had a good game-ish um, against it was Indiana, right? Where he did everything good except for the uh, Kyrie three. <laughs> but oh, like, it, it, we're 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 seeing kind of more typical um, NBA sets out of these guys, and it it's it's catering to the skill sets of the roster that they have rather than trying to implement an offense out of ego. Yeah, um, worth noting before the All-Star break under B-Line, they had an offensive rating of 106. They were ranked 24th. Uh, haven't got as much better as you'd think. They're at 18th uh, mm-hmm. at 110.3. Uh, so, But that offense is getting better. I don't know, admittedly, small sample size. And just kind of goes to show you that 
Run and pick and roll is not the worst thing you can do on on this planet Earth, and and, uh, and against good competition too. Like I, I think that's important to note. And and the difference from one hundred six to one ten is is more significant than the ranking within the league. Yes, I would agree. Um, can can we can we pick some nets? Oh yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. The minutes stuff is annoying to me. Okay, uh, elaborate he, uh, against the. Jazz with uh, only seven of their uh, regular roster players um, able to suit up uh, and both their two-way players available. So they only had nine bodies available for the game in a game that uh, pretty much was out of hand by mid-third quarter uh, Mm -hmm. to be charitable. Um, Played Matt Mooney and Dean Wade one minute apiece. (laughs) And it's like, man, are we really – Gonna play Larry Nance and Kevin Porter and Colin Sexton and Jetty Osmond forty minutes apiece. <laughs> that, Gee whiz, man! <laughs> that is such a specific complaint, though. Like that—that's just that one game. I—I'm with uh, you no, though. No, and you know what? He's I, let, played guys heavy minutes. Like let, let me diagnose what. Let me diagnose what the root of your complaint is, and I, I think I'm at the same point. I want to see a little more D Wade. Yes, that is the root of my complaint. But the other <laughs> complaint is this is what happens when you have interim coaches. Uh, and I know they're saying he's not an interim, but he knows he is deep down in his soul. <laughs> um, and what I'm saying is that when you have these kind of guys, they just want to get wins however they can instead of like making reasonable rotation choices. No, yeah. in no world should a seventeen and forty-four team be playing a seven-man rotation. You know what? That there, there is some validity to that. I, I don't know. That actually would be an interesting question. Whether or not it was something like, well, they haven't had a lot of time to practice with the team. No, um, Dean Wade's been on the team all season. I know, I know. It, it's, I, I would love to hear the justification, though. Is my point more, more so than right. whether or not I agree with yeah. it? But yeah, it, it you does... are right to call me out about the Dean Wade thing because I do think he's got a little bit more than the Cavs have allowed him to show. Hey, he he won Player of the Week in, in the G League. How about that? He I, he didn't I, just get a nomination uh, for for some reason. Woo! We can save that for any Sexton talk, but it is embarrassing. But yeah, that's really my only nit to pick so far. I mean, he's not expected to install a whole offensive system in a couple practices after the All Star break. So not as good as you can expect, right? Like he's doing fine. Yeah. No, it's. It, the most important thing really is buy-in, right? Like that—that that is the job of a head coach. Um, I, I th- I've been happy with the development from the guards all year, and, and I know that's something we, we want to dive into on, on this podcast. But um, it's—I I like the assistance we have. I, I like kind of the direction of the team. Like even though that the process has been awful. I, I like where they're trending. Like, I, I like what we've seen from Kevin Porter Jr. this year. Sexton's improved. I, I like what I've seen out of Garland. And to me, that, that's the only real thing that matters um, this season. So for them to kind of be playing a little more free, to be looking a little bit better under Bickerstaff, that's, that's a positive and encouraging sign early on. Yep, I, I tend to agree. Um, I I'm fine with it. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. still not super jazzed about 
not having a coaching search this off season. Uh, that's kind of going to be a bummer when they don't have one. Uh, yeah. But as I said, uh, you know, this is all fine. This is all fine unless 20 games into the 2021 season, they go, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I don't want to think about that right now. I, 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 I want to buy in on Bickerstaff right now. I am, um, you know what? I've declared myself. Uh, or I am declaring myself, both on Colin Sexton and J.B. Bickerstaff. I am a centrist on both of those issues. I am firmly in the middle. I am in wait-and-see mode. I believe that either of them can work out. And um, I, I'm with coaches in particular, I am sick of acting like we know what we're talking about when it comes to them. The early returns are positive, and I will stick with that. I will not factor in any of the bullshit that we saw in Memphis or Houston uh, when it comes to my analysis of them. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You want to talk about Colin Sexton? I do. So the, the reason I want to talk about Colin Sexton and all of the guards really is because it was kind of the, the topic of the day today, at least early on on Twitter. And it was something that I got very fired up about um, because I, I think the people that are being dismissive of what we've seen out of Colin Sexton um, over the last two better part of two months here. Um, I, I don't understand why people feel the need to be dismissive of it. I hate when people look at the win loss column and work their way backwards to decide which stats are meaningful and which ones aren't. Um, I do think that there is some real positive signs here from Sexton over the last 32 games. And I love using the Clarkson trade as kind of the dividing mark when it comes to this stuff. And since that point, um, you, you got over 22 points per game, true shooting percentage of 57.9%. Um, the assist at 3.2. Uh, we're, we're starting to see those combo guard instincts. And to me, at this point, I think it's fair to say that Colin Sexton has the highest floor out of any of the guards on the team because we know that he he's a reliable scorer and those type of scores typically last for a very long time in the NBA. Yeah, when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about in this uh, in this episode, I said I want to talk about Sexton. I have some nice things to say about him, and oftentimes I take him for granted a little bit from the perspective of like. Yeah, what he's good at, like, I'm just like, yeah, you should at least be good at that if you're going to be on the team, right? you know, um, and be playing the role you're in. Uh, but I really have uh, appreciated his uh, – his craft has gotten a lot better, I think. Um, he's really figuring out how to find the right angles to attack. Um mm-hmm. And getting a little bit more creative with how he's getting to the bucket. It's funny. I'm more comfortable with him shooting a floater than Garland right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the three ball is going in, and he's getting to the line a lot more. Um, he's averaging five free throw attempts a game uh, in February up, and uh, February, and then in March he average he has eight had eight attempts in the first game of March. So he's getting to the line. And, you know, I just remember so many games last year, it would be 20 points on 22 shots. Yeah. You know, and just if you're looking at the last five games or last four games for Sexton, uh, it's 28 points on 16 shots, 31 points on 20 shots, 16 points on 16 shots, 
Sorry, Pacers are a tough matchup. And then against Utah, he had 32 points on 17 shots and appeared to be really the only Cavalier that could generate good offense mm-hmm. um, against that the shell of that uh, Utah defense. They He was the only one that Utah seemed to not quite know what to do. Um, yeah. And uh, it was Chris Fedor, I think, on Twitter made a really smart observation that he's starting to get that reputation as this really dangerous transition player. And teams are starting to take fouls against him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that Euro foul is like the, one of the worst fouls in basketball right now. It, it is uh, very annoying. It, well, not only is it annoying, it, you know, if you are able to draw them consistently, like this is, if I have a gripe about Delhi, is Delhi would always take one at the worst time. Like he's Euro <laughs> foul Steph in the bonus, mm-hmm. you know? And like, but the Cavs don't have a lot of great foul drawers. I would say Kevin Love's very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Drummond is solid, and that's pretty much it. So having guys who can get you into the bonus, um, that that helps you a lot offensively. And uh, you'll notice that the Cavs tend to play much better once if they get in that bonus early uh, and and the defense starts changing the way they're playing. Uh, So, yeah, I've just really come to appreciate sex in the last couple games. They're just like – Okay, I just know – I know no one – I know exactly what I'm going to get, uh, jump shot being hit or miss, at least offensively. I mean, defensively, it's still a train wreck. Mm-hmm. But offensively, like, the consistency is starting to feel nice going to what you said about his floor. No, I, I completely agree. And the funny thing to me is I like to contrast it with Dion Waiters, which – when you look at Dion's second year, there was that stretch that everybody thinks of very fondly where it's like, hey, this is where we thought, hey, Dion might be a star. And you look at that post-All-Star game stretch. It was 22 games. He had a true shooting percentage of 53.5, which is kind of similar to what Sexton had for efficiency as a rookie. Um, obviously, the league average for true shooting percentage has gone up since then. Um, but still, that's doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, 19.3 points, 3.7 assists. Sexton now, now that I'm actually looking at the numbers for these 32 games, forget just 22, um, 22.6 points on a true shooting percentage of about 58, like 57.9, 3.2 assists. Like, that that matters. And one point that I, I actually disagreed with uh, with Lima um, and didn't really want to get into because we had so much to talk about. Um, he he kept mentioning that defenses haven't really keyed in on Colin Sexton at this point. And I disagree with that point. I, I do think that he's – there's no way at this point that he isn't the top focus on other teams' scouting reports. But one advantage that Sexton does have with playing off ball is that he's not bringing up the ball and you're not able to get that – early trap or that quick double and get the ball out of his hands. Um, when he gets the ball on the perimeter, he's able to be a little more decisive with it. He he blows by his initial man, and now he's starting to show some recognition uh, with those drop-off passes. One thing that does frustrate me, though, and I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this as well, Carter, is when he is in those situations, he still doesn't have eyes for the guys in the corner. He really misses a lot of open guys, and if he could at least get the drop-off pass and the kickouts in those situations, I, I do think that that makes him a much, much easier player uh, to fit into a rotation when this team starts adding talent at other positions. 
Yeah. I mean, I just don't know if that's going to be a thing he does. It, it might not be. It might not be. And maybe, maybe you can help me with this because my stance when it comes to passing is you can improve marginally. Um, you, you can be coached to know, okay, these are the reads in certain situations and make a decision out of that. But when it comes to actually having that natural feel and being that next level passer and passing guys open, is there a precedent for a guy that has gone from below average vision to making those type of reads? Like I I know there are examples for guys turning around a three point shot, but I I can't think of anybody that's ever done that um, when it comes to passing. No, I mean, you know, I guess the closest is like that that's popping in mind is like of guys who weren't good playmakers and have figured out how to be good playmakers, you know, maybe a Kawhi. Uh, yeah. But Kawhi is just literally built from scratch. Like, <laughs> like Kawhi is like the idea that everyone has for their young player. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Oh, we'll teach him to shoot, and then uh, we'll teach him to dribble, and then uh, we'll teach him to pass. <laughs> and he just learned every single thing one at a time until he was a top two player. You know what? At least I've had the self-control to not do that with KPJ. I, oh. I, I've i stuck with Jimmy Butler comparisons. I haven't gone to Kawhi yeah, those, yet. Those, those yeah, really wait, wait until next year. Wait until next year when he, at that point, by my – Current calculations, I think at that point he'd be seven foot seven uh, with an eight foot wingspan, and I can make the Kawhi Leonard comparisons at that point. Well, more power to you, pal. Um, <laughs> you know, thank God you're keeping it keeping it chill with the Jimmy Butler comparison. You know, that's uh, I, I keep it realistic. You know, I, I wanted to find uh, the comparison that works. So uh, again, we we have the next Jimmy Butler and the next Kemba Walker. We have a taller Kemba Walker in Garland. So that 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 keeps me happy late at night. Sounds right to me. <laughs> I, I do think that this is a natural kind of transition point to talking a little bit about the pairings because I actually feel like. And this was something that started before the coaching change to Bickerstaff. But basically, since KPJ has come back from injury, um, he's been getting near starters minutes, kind of in the high 20s. And all, the guards are kind of in a healthy competition for playing time. Um, Garland and Sexton start all the games. But if any of those guards are struggling and, and not contributing or, or the effort isn't there, um, they will be benched for one of the other guards. If all three are playing well, uh, Bickerstaff is going to find a way to to play all three of them. Um, and I, I really like this healthy competition for minutes, and, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on um, the way that they've approached this so far. Um, you know, every time I start to generate a take on the starting lineup, I kind of just, like, end up back at, well, guess they might as well keep it the way it is. like because like all the any case you can make kind of like screws over someone in a way that could be damaging their confidence you know like i don't really think you want to bench jetty just because you you need some size out there even though and and also that lineup is a disaster on the season like the the absolute worst i i don't actually turns out three children on the perimeter isn't great 
That's uh, that's actually the one lineup I don't have the numbers on right now. So I'm going to need you to keep talking and and yeah. So I'll so I'll filibuster while you definitely don't listen to me. Um, you didn't even laugh at that. That's how I know you're not listening to me. No, I'm listening. Um, uh, so I'm just not funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I just don't think you really want to go all kids because then you don't even have anyone setting an example for how to play right. right. Um, at least offensively, and I think Jetty does a good job of setting a good example. Uh as an off-ball player. Um, then I look at, you know, you don't want to bench Sexton at this point. He's playing too well. It's kind of disrespectful to him. Uh, and I don't think that's good for your locker room culture. I think the Cavs have taken plenty of L's in the locker room culture on playing guys who don't deserve it and benching guys who should be playing. Um, so I don't really think that would behoove them to do that. And then I don't really want to mention Garland either, even though KPJ has been objectively better than Garland uh, pretty mm. much for, you know, at least two-thirds of the season. <laughs> Woof. Um, so on the season, those three together have a minus 26.3 net rating. Not great, Bob. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is the other reason you don't want to bench Garland is the Sexton-KPJ pairing, and I know you have these numbers. Also – not great, Bob. Yeah. So I, I'm going to clear out, or I need you to clear out for one second as I kind of go over this. Because as I was looking at, okay, is there at least a statistical case for making a change to the starting backcourt? I, I keep arriving at the same spot as you, and that's that it doesn't make sense right now. And you, you look at it for the year, um, our current backcourt has a minus 10.8 net rating um sexton's true shooting percentage in that pairing is zero or 0.07 percent lower with garland than it is without so no real change garland's true shooting percentage is up 10 percent on the year when he's playing with sexton versus not garland and kpj net rating slightly worse uh, minus 9.9 kpj shoots 2.6 percent worse garland shoots 3.1 percent worse so Net rating of the team, basically just as bad, but both of them are worse together. And Sexton and KPJ, minus 19.2 together net rating. O rating for the team is 100, which would be the worst in the league. Uh, Sexton shoots 2.4% worse. KPJ, though, shoots 7.9% better. So basically 8% better. Um, which you're, you're looking at those numbers right there. And one thing that jumps out to me is playing with Sexton makes both players better. Um, the load that he's able to shoulder offensively, I think, makes things a little bit easier, especially for someone like Garland, um, who kind of likes to get everybody involved. Uh, you can see he's really been prioritizing playing that true point guard role. Um, and then post Clarkson trade, which is my favorite stretch of the season, because that's when they said, hey, you guys don't have a safety net anymore. At this point, we are investing in the three guards. Two of you are going to close together for better or for worse, and we're going to figure it out from there. Um, Sexland playing better at that stretch, uh, minus 8.9% net rating. Uh, Sexton shooting 0.7% better. Garland's true shooting percentage is up 10% once again. Garland and KPJ, now this is the best team net rating out of any of these pairings during the stretch. Minus 3.2, uh, Garland is shooting 
uh, 5% worse, KPJ 5% worse. Sexton and KPJ better than it was to start the year uh, or for the full year, but it's still minus 11.7. O rating would be the second worst in the NBA. KPJ shooting 9% better, Sexton 1% better. So um, right now, it seems like the best possible uh, combination, both from a team standpoint and a developing the young guys standpoint, is still for Garland and Sexton to start together. All right, that should be about it. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning <laughs> into the Chase Down Pod. You can uh, support the pod by uh, following the Chase Down Premium. Uh, so uh, basically, like Patreon, but uh, all the money goes directly to. Uh, Ooh, did I need water there, Carter? My uh, God, goes, goes directly to uh, us. Uh, so it's a really nice way to support the pod. You can find that just by googling Chase Down Premium, and of course, leave a like and review on. Uh, on uh, iTunes or Spotify and send that review to chasedownpod.gmail.com. That, that was uh, actually an exclusive a, a gr- invite to our discord chat. That, that was actually a, uh, a great kind of lead in for our chase down premium, which is often me talking by myself for 10 minutes. <laughs> Part of me kind of wants just to end it there. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're a dick. I have more to talk about. Believe it or not. I am not was- out of words. Think about how funny that would have been. And I think I I think we should have planned this. If we were good at producing this podcast, yes. we would have ended with that and like just knocked out our other conversations before that. Yeah. Uh that would have been like an all time moment. Um, <laughs> you know what? Let's blame it on Meredith, our our, our yeah. producer. I'm I'm blaming it on Meredith. That's fine. I don't think she'll listen to this deep end. There's no way she ever listens to the podcast. I, I refuse to believe that. No, no way. Meredith, um, prove me wrong. Prove us wrong, Meredith. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I just think that would have been really funny, but that's okay. What else do you want to talk about, Justin? Okay, so you, you don't really want to get into any of those numbers. Well, there were so many. What do you I, want me to get into? You know, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I have the same conclusion, which is like, I think from a number standpoint, it's hard to justify making the only really obvious possible choice which would be kpj and for garland mm-hmm. and that's also not worth it from a psyche perspective for garland so i think i guess here's my question is kpj eventually going to replace colin sexton darius garland or jetty osmond in the starting lineup yes I'm, no, i mean which one no i i i have no idea man like it's, i'm asking uh, if I have to guess, it's going to be Sexton, and that's going to get me run out of Cleveland. I, I know that. Um, well, if he plays like this next year, I'll tell you what. <laughs> then uh, bad things are going to happen for us. No, I, I think there's any – at some point, KPJ is going to be a starter for this team. I, I think it's going to be at the two-guard position. It's possible that he's going to replace Garland at, in the starting lineup. The one thing, though, that gets tricky is if it is Sexton and KPJ, I think you need to have a big playmaking wing to to make that work, which gets tricky because then from a team-building standpoint, you have Sexton and KPJ that are both better with the ball in their hands. Um, I I know Colin plays off ball, but he still does lead the team in touches. Um, and getting big playmaking wings is one of the toughest things to do. Oh, you just need a Giannis or LeBron type. Okay. So I, I think that's why when people wonder why folks are invested in Garland, it's because he's the one guy 
that kind of has shown that natural passing instinct um, to, to be a playmaker and a guy that sets the table for everybody. Whereas if it's not him, then you either need to draft a point guard or you need to draft a big playmaking wing. Yeah, and that there just aren't any playmaking wings in the draft, really. I mean, Denny has kind of have fits that bill a little bit. Yeah, he, um, he's but, he's the only thing close, right? And it seems like he's more of a. Uh, and again, I'm no draft expert by any means, but he seems like he's more of a secondary creator, just like a a yep. super powered jetty a little bit. Um, it just which, makes which sense maybe that, that works with two combo guards. I don't know. I will say this: I would much rather see KPJ play the two long term than the three. Me too. Yeah, uh, I, the three just it feels like you're just signing yourself up to get bullied by bigger threes, yes. and the league is moving back in that direction a little bit uh, lately. Yeah, and I length think, is back in. Yeah, and to that end, you know, I just think it just makes more sense. Uh, I still think the you know it's funny. No matter how well Sexton plays, I can't stop saying, yeah, I still think he's going to be better off the bench long term. Well, he profiles as a six-man, right? Just because... That's just the a, way he plays. Eh, I don't know if it's even the way he plays. It's just, it's tough. Well, I guess it is the way he plays. Um, but it, it's tough to build a team around a point guard like that. And I, I do think he is the highest floor guy. I don't think Garland's going to become a better scorer than Sexton uh, at any point in their careers. I, I'm fairly confident in that. Which, uh, but if you had told me that... Uh, before the season i would have been pretty bummed <laughs> no I, and i think that's fair but i i do think that sexton's or not sexton uh i think garland's kind of more i think we're hoping for like the chauncey billups type role or or kemba walker like jordan clarkson for example i i think he's a better scorer than a lot of starters in the league you just can't really give him starters minutes and have team success like i can see garland being a 20 point per game player um, I, if I had to put numbers on it, I would guess he's going to be between 16, 17 points and six and seven assists next year. Like that, that's kind of the player that I would expect him to be at. Um, Sexton can be a better score, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have the opportunities to put up as many points per game. But I, what I like about what the Cavs are doing right now is it's all merit-based. They've brought KPJ along slowly. This is somebody that most people expected to be in Canton for most of the year. And he's in a situation where he's getting consistent minutes. And when he deserves more minutes and when he's playing well, he gets rewarded with that. And I, I feel like that's one of the few examples that we've seen out of the Cavs this year of good process. Yeah, I think so. Um Though I will say, like, it does seem like the drumbeat is going to get louder for him to play. And talking about earning your minutes, you know, if he is consistently outplaying Sexton or Garland, how comfortable are they going to be closing games with one of Sexton or Garland on the bench? Mm -hmm. No, no, for sure. And I, the funny thing is, like, he's not under the microscope because he isn't starting. But you, you look at it. He had the breakout game against Miami. After that, he hasn't shot over 40% in, in a game. Like, he, he's kind of struggled. He's been pressing. It's I just don't think he's ready to, to start just yet. I think he's the highest upside player out of the bunch. But at this point, this is a guy that the, the reason he fell in the draft was he's a bit of a project. He's going to take some time. He needs structure. And that's what the Cavs have been providing to him. 
and he's been improving throughout the season. So I, I really don't see why there is this rush to accelerate the process, especially when there's only about 20 games less left this year. And we can probably just reevaluate when we make it there uh, next season. Yeah, it certainly seems like that. That's the play to me. It's just st- status quo the rest of the way. And, um, and just kind of allow things to play out as they will down the line. I mean, <laughs> uh, plus, I mean, to be honest, there's going to be more injuries and sit outs and stuff like that as we get down the stretch here. So everyone should have their shot, uh, of course, except Dean Wade. Yes. <laughs> Poor Dean, Dean Wade, Wade. Get fucked. And, and the funny thing is we still have to account for our boy, Dylan Windler getting more uh, minutes just, next year. Dude, I was just thinking about, I wonder how we'd feel about the season if he was looking promising too. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, would we even care about Garland being a little underwhelming? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still fairly happy with what we've seen out of Garland. I don't um, know why. I mean, I'm fine. I, I'm not out on him, but I think it's fair to say he's been underwhelming. Eh, I'm, I'm whelmed. I am I am whelmed by Garland. Okay. It doesn't do a whole lot for me, but well, so for everyone else, that's underwhelming. For, listen, listen, listen. For you, it's whelming. Who who were you saying that you still have stock in? Uh, was it Harry oh, Giles? Harry Giles. I'll die on Harry Giles. Uh, yeah, hill. because he makes the passes only good players makes. That's what Garland does. What the no, hell? He are... does not. Oh, Come he on. makes good passes. He makes fine passes. He makes passes that Colin Sexton can't make. <laughs> You just don't understand subtlety. That's that's what this is all coming down to. That's that's what it often does. I'm I'm perfectly willing to accept being wrong if I end up being wrong, but I, I see I'm what just, I see. I, I don't think there's any wrong here. It's just how you yeah. feel. Well, no, I'm, I, I'm I, a little I, underwhelmed from what I was hoping I'd see out of there. Oh no, 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 no. Year. There there is no right or wrong on whether or not you feel underwhelmed or concerned with Garland. I I think those that are concerned that. That's perfectly fine. That's understandable. Um, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong there. I'm, I'm talking more so about kind of projecting what's going to happen with the future. Speaking of right or wrong, I owe Larry Nance Jr. an apology. Yeah, he's been playing great. Actually, I don't owe him an apology because I said he was bad when he was bad. And I said, hey, this guy shouldn't be playing as a center. And he has been absolutely fantastic. And it hasn't come as a center. He has been yeah, playing. I don't think there's a player who's benefited more from the re-bigoting of the NBA uh, and, lately than Nance on this team. And, and I do feel good that I couched a lot of my criticism early in the season by saying, hey, you know what? We should probably wait until he's playing alongside John Hansen. And now, whether it be Drummond, whether it be Tristan, uh, whether it be um, as a small forward, um, he's been playing really, really damn well. And one, I, I guess we could also do our bit here where I, I rattle off some stats and you just end the damn podcast. Uh, but yes, since the Clarkson trade, Nance, the team is plus 6.8 when he's on the floor. Um, out of the guys that's actually playing significant minutes, uh, that is first on the team, followed by the difference maker, Darius Garland, who the team is plus four when he's 4.1 when he's on the floor. So how about that? How about that? Are you whelmed by that? How about that? <laughs> remember when it, that was a thing? I do. I do remember that. Isn't she a rapper now or something like that? Ah, uh, I mean, isn't everyone? Yeah, that's true. Everyone, everyone's got a mixtape somewhere. Do you have any other parting thoughts before we wrap this thing up for real this time? 
No, I like Larry Nance. I'm glad he's on the team. I like Larry Nance too. Come on the podcast, Larry. Everybody at Larry until he comes on the podcast. Do um, it. <laughs> we need to mobilize the uh, the Chase Down Army a little bit more. They always mobilize. There's a, there's a stretch where I was calling him the Chase Darmy. <laughs> when did I you do that? I was doing it on the Discord for a while. I was going to say you've never done that in front of me. Or no, not verbally, the- but I think it's so funny. <laughs> the Chase Darby. It's so. It sounds. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like uh, the, the from the South Park episode where they go skiing. The guy who goes Darsh. <laughs> it's just Darby. Oh man. Um, anyway, we I, should I, mobilize I, them for things that aren't travel covers. I was going to say, I, I think the only thing we've really mobilized them on, and thank you guys so much for doing this. Every single time there is a picture of KPJ looking tall, um, we get lots of ads. And I really, really do appreciate that because that is helping build uh, the, the movement. And even Fedor got in on it. Um, he, he was saying that KPJ looks taller than 6'4". So, um, Our brand. <laughs> I, I'm very, very happy to see that that's what our brand's associated with. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Steph Curry with the Santa Cruz Warriors? No, I don't. Well, I find it it's funny. A, it's hilarious. That's all. <laughs> Steve Kerr finally got his wish. All right. Well, this seems like a great place to wrap this up. Carter, you enjoy another trip, Mr. Traveling, going to Chicago this weekend after uh, Seattle. Was that last weekend? No, it was the yeah, one before. Seattle was during the week last week. Uh, ah, look at Monday you, businessman. Look at that. Yeah. How did that go? Oh, it was fun. Uh, I didn't see anything uh, that interesting, but I had a very productive set of business meetings and with uh, with our friends at 343 Industries. Oh, look at you go. Well, have a successful venture in Chicago. Enjoy going back to your former home. And a big thank you to all of our Chase Sound listeners. You guys are absolutely the best. We really do appreciate the support. As Carter mentioned before, you can support us directly by going to the Chase Down Premium. Just Google search it. 99 cents for the first month. Five bucks a month after that supports us directly. It's like Patreon, only we get all of the profits because we're greedy. You can also support us by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. I actually took the time to read some reviews recently, and you got your boy all emotional. I, I really appreciated all the kind words. Um, Carter, do, do you go and read the reviews every now and then? Oh, I do all the time. I'm a I'm a glutton for uh, compliments. See, here's the thing: are, it's you guys really are very t- sweet. It's tough for me to view them without an Apple product. It's really really annoying um, because sometimes. Wow, you must be really interesting. I really hate you so much, Carter. Anyways, it, it usually just shows like the five oldest reviews, and I can't view any others. But somehow I was able to see all of them, and it uh, it warmed my cold dead heart, uh, which Carter clearly has no warmth in his heart and just wants to shit on me for not having an iphone i I see i see you i see your ways um so again thank you to everybody that doesn't shit on me thanks to carter and until next time go Cavs.